You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Good morning. Uh, stay in Ephesians, and we're going to, I'm going to read uh, the passage, just the text that we're going to look at today. We're in verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let us pray. Holy Father, this is a very serious text. Um, Flaming arrows are headed at us as we speak. Dipped in the evil pitch of the devil and lit with an evil flame. So, Father, let our hearts and ears be opened to this text, what you have given us to extinguish it, the seriousness of fellowship and community in these times, um, and just a heart for the tough teachings. Uh, Peter tells us that much of what Paul teaches us is hard. It's hard. And um, your Holy Spirit inspired Peter to tell us that. So Lord, I ask that you prepare my heart, that my love for the beloved here at FNCC um, wants to protect them with my shield and that we become a body of Christ that uh, understands the times in which we live and the shield in which you have given us. We ask this in the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things. Amen. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep nor give into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious of itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If I speak in tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, 
I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver my body to be burned, but I do not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes in all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know a part and we prophesize in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. If you study some of the old brothers and sisters that have gone before us, pastors got them before us. During serious texts, they used to do what they called a preparation of the reading of Scripture. Just allow Scripture to speak to you. And I did that. I took a part of the Sermon on the Mount in 1 Corinthians 13 to be a preparation Scripture for us today because this is serious. There are flaming arrows that are hitting people sitting here today. I had several calls this week of arrows that struck their target and are destroying lives of believers, destroying marriages. There are arrows being dipped in the pitch of the devil that are aimed at everyone in this fellowship. From the least of you to Bill and I, because there's no difference. It's the evil ones want to be able to destroy testimonies and instill doubt and dissension and division. There are, evil, there are arrows being dipped and lit in the pitch of the evil one aimed at this facility and the blessing that God has given. There is arrows that are in the air toward our brothers and sisters Christ meeting in other churches. And sadly, some of them will hit their mark, mainly because we're not prepared. There's a great promise in these verses and there's a great warning in this verse. The reality is there's flaming arrows in the air. And are you ready? Are we ready? My son, I don't talk about him much, but our second son is a master gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps. He has about eight combat stars and is, has a Naval Marine Corps medal with valor. Uh, in preparing for this sermon, I called him and I go, if you feel like talking about it, 
tell your dad, if you say, dad, I'd rather not talk about it, don't talk about it. Um, and I called him and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving a sermon on the shield of faith and, and preparing for this cosmic battle that we're in. And I said, son, I've never been in a battle. Tell me what happens when that first bullet comes whizzing by you. And he says, the first thing that happens is your mind goes to the preparation and the training which you've gone through. Are we prepared and are we trained? I said, then what happens? He goes, two things can happen. One gets people killed and the other one reduces the chances of that. He says, people are always going to die in battle. I said, what's the one that gets people killed? He goes, when a Marine is selfish and all he cares about is himself, people die. And I said, what's the second? When the Marines and all their preparation and training care more about the person to their right and to their left, behind them and in front of them, Marines live. I said, what happens when somebody gets wounded, when a flaming arrow hits them? He goes, we coalesce around the wounded. And we give covering fire till we can get them out of there. And I said, thank you, son, because that's what Paul insists on us in this whole text of chapter 16. We need to understand that these arrows, if they don't hit us, if they're aimed at the people that I love in this fellowship and they miss you, they still cause chaos. They're on fire. The battlefield that we sit in, if we were to draw it out to Paul's illusions, is a very chaotic and anxious battlefield. Think about it. We'll unpack that. I'll give you a little preview. But Paul fully knows what's going on in his illusions and in the, in, in the pictures that he uses in this of what a battlefield in Roman times looked like and what flaming arrows did. Picture a battlefield where there's bodies laid strewn and they're on fire because the pitch, when they got hit, were on fire. Well, what if I just got hit in the leg and, the, and it wasn't a, a, a fatal wound, but the pitch is now burning my leg? And even if it doesn't hit its mark, the battlefield's on fire. It causes confusion and anxiety and doubt and fear. Those are all things the evil one sets out when he dips that arrow in the pitch of evilness and lights it on fire and aims it at us. Even if it misses its mark, consequences can happen. The field shield of faith is very interesting. Um, again, Paul fully understands who he's speaking to here. Just some really quick history to kind of set the stage. Ephesus was a unique town. Bill did a beautiful job a couple weeks ago in showing that this armor is not our armor, it's God's armor. And to a Roman soldier, it wasn't his armor, it was the armor that the Romans gave it. And the reason I'm bringing this up, thank you, brother. The reason I'm bringing this up is Paul has a picture of all these weapons and all this armor that is very Roman. 
And it hits its mark because we forget one thing. Ephesus was a retirement center for the Roman soldiers. Roman soldiers did not get money when they retired. They got land. And for some reason, Ephesus at that time uh, sat on a seaport. It doesn't need more. It's actually 50 miles inland. It got washed in and silted in. But a lot of Roman soldiers retired there. And so think about in his, remember what he said back in chapter 3, that there are no longer Greeks or Gentiles were all one. So he's speaking both to Jews and Gentiles. And a lot of those Gentiles, I believe, by looking and exegeting the scripture, a lot of them were ex-military men and they got it. Maybe even some of their leaders were ex-Roman military men and they're sitting there going, I get it, Paul. And if some of them were, because there's a probability that some of them were, and their leaders, it's significant. How am I going to make sure that the flock that God has given me are equipped so, Paul has a very specific shield in mind. Not any old shield. He uses a Greek word to describe a Latin word that stands for a, the big, tall uh, shield that you've seen in many movies. Not a little round one, right? So, the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to take a Greek word, a Latin word, translated in Greek, so it's a specific shield, it should be up there, okay? And then we just translate it to shield. So in our minds, we could think of a little round shield or a little oblong shield. That's not what Paul's mind is because that would do a very lousy job at actually extinguishing and protecting us from arrows. This shield does it very well. It's designed to do that. The Roman army was prepared for these things. It had gone through it before, and it built shields, protect them from all kinds of um, arrows, including ones that were on fire. Its construction was either made out of wood, two layers of wood, or wicker wood, tightly, 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 tightly woven. And then it was covered and stretched with leather. And then around the edges, there would be some metal, but very little metal on it, because it would defeat its purpose if there's very little metal on it. Because what does Paul say the shield can do? It can extinguish a fire. And so if I'm made out of wood and leather, going into battle and if they were expecting the enemy to use flaming arrows they would soak the shield in water have you ever took a four foot by three foot piece of leather very thick because they didn't and soaked it in water soaks up a lot of water ever take wood and wicker remember it's not wicker like we would use it was probably woven pieces of wood Ever took just a good two-by-four pine and let it sit in water? It gets heavy. It soaks up a lot of water. This, this shield on its own weighed about 22 pounds. Water weighs eight pounds per gallon. And some of the things I read said a shield like this could hold between a gallon and two gallons of water. So I'm adding another 16 pounds to a 22-pound shield. Y'all can do the math. I'm up to 38 pounds now. It was heavy. It was created to solve the problems that they came into. The Roman soldier was trained and prepared and ready for the consequences he went into. It also could protect. And it not only protected uh, the person that protected everyone around him. Go to the next slide. Thank you. Protection of the whole, not just the individual. 
That's how the Romans thought. Much like a good Marine. I'm going to protect the person to the left and to the right of me. This shield you could hide behind. It was uniquely designed to protect the person to the left of you when you formed like we see on the thing. So it was interesting. If you had it, your right side, my right side, was exposed. I could get grazed by a flaming arrow. So Bill standing next to me, his, the way it was designed, his would cover up my left side. If you look at this, this text of Ephesians, we're not in this by ourselves. He said it is, he, Paul uses plural words here. And again, when you understand that Paul just didn't pick any old shield, he had a purpose of protect, protect uh, excuse me, giving the shield he, he gave because we're called to protect each other. That was the point of the preparation reading. So I could sit there in a line and line up, and, the, and then I could look, if you look at the, the one on the left, you could basically, it was very hard for any arrow to get through to another person. It was soaked in water, pretty enclosed. The person on my right weren't about me that protected me on the left, and I doing the same thing. That's the shield that Paul says, take up your shield of faith. So what is our shield? The first thing we see about our shield is we must take it up. The take in verse 16 is what we call an aorist participle active. And, and when in a Greek word, that way means one thing. Simply take up your sword. Take it up. Get up in the morning. Make sure, excuse me, take up your shield. Get up in the morning. Make sure you have your shield. Take it up. Have it with you. Why? The very next verse says you're going to need it. With which you extinguish. The, word, the words there, with which you can extinguish, are what we call future middle tense in the Greek. And what that means, future middle tense in Greek, means you're going to need it sometime. If you don't have it with you, you can't use it. We have to take it up. So I'm going to step out a minute and say, in my faith that works, I need to grab my shield and take it with me. That is not a merit-based faith. I'm not, talking about the, I'm not talking about the faith that saves you. You can't do anything about that. That's 100% the work of God. You cannot save yourself. I'm talking about sanctifying faith. I'm talking about the faith as we grow in our love and our treasuring of Jesus Christ. These here are telling that, Tim, do you have your shield with you today? Because you may need to protect yourself and it may need to protect Jay or Logan or Cassidy. And he's not saying that it might happen. He says the arrows are already in the air, Tim. The devil's already got arrows coming at you. So let's look at the construction of our arrow. What's it made out of? The first thing that we see it's made out of, it's made and constructed 
by the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is stay in Ephesians to get all this. We can go back to chapter 1 and listen to what chapter 1 says. Chapter 1, verse 13. In him, in Christ, you also, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, when you have faith in him, you're regenerated, born again, now my faith that works through love in him, we're sealed. We were secured with the promised Holy Spirit, not the suggested Holy Spirit. We were promised the Holy Spirit to seal and secure me. That's the construction of my faith, of my shield, who is the guarantor. He doesn't just simply offer it. He guarantees our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his, that's God the Father's, glory. So the construction is the Holy Spirit who secures me in the faith, guarantees that I'm going to get you to the end, Tim. You will persevere. I will hold you up. Until you get there, I'm, I got your back. And all this is not because Tim's a good guy. All of this is to the praise of the glory of the Father. Then I told you, remember, so think of, think of um, the power and the construction of the Holy Spirit. Think of it as the wood or the wicker that builds a frame that an arrow can't get through. The covering of the leather that can soak up a lot of water in the first line of defense and in, in, in extinguishing that arrow is the power and might of God the Father through and in Jesus Christ. That's the leather covering. We still find that in Ephesians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 18, um, which is in the middle of a sentence, but that's the guy that gets to go before God all the time and go, why did you put this into verses? Um, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So he's carrying on the thought from 13. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe or who have faith according to the working of his great might? Verse 20, that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all authority and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. That leather that Paul thinks about, he says, is the power of God. In the work of Jesus Christ. Notice there is nothing in here that that covering can't extinguish. It extinguishes all things. That pain that happened this week to some people, it extinguishes that. Being hit by that arrow does not take your salvation away from you. 
If I would have held a shield and protected myself against that arrow, then I wouldn't be going through that pain. But the salvation's not there. It just changes and hurts and confuses. And that's why this shield is not meant for one person. It's meant to cover the whole. It's meant to cover, come together, and every one of us put our shield up so that nobody can get hit. There's nobody getting grazed. It can't catch fire in between the two of us on a battlefield because it can never reach the battlefield. So we have this shield constructed by the Holy Spirit, covered and soaked, covered with the power of God. What's it soaked in? What's the water you think Paul may be thinking about that would extinguish it? Ah, my brother Miguel got it. It's the word. Soaked in the word of God, Romans 6, 17. So, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. John chapter 14, verse 7. If you abide in me, this is Jesus speaking, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Think about that. In my discernment, I realize there's an arrow headed my way of temptation or doubt or pride. And Jesus said that if the word abides in you, that arrow's going to hit your shield, Tim. The evil one's got a really good aim. Again, the only reason it doesn't hit its target, according to Paul, is you have a shield. The target is you. The target's the body at FMCC and the body at, at, at Summit, the body of, of churches all over Fort Myers in the world. That's the target. It's going to hit its target. The devil has great aim. There is a defense, and we just saw it. Take it up. Get ready for it. Soak it in the Word of God. And when it hits your shield, it goes, because God is greater than the devil. He's already conquered it. That's why, that's why in verse 13 we saw the construction, we're secured. We're secured. But Paul says, you got to take your shield with you. In some of my conversations this week, things happen simply because a believer left the shield. And the evil one hit his mark. And again, let me stress, salvation is not lost. But our heart should break when we see a brother and sister have to go through that. tough teaching and I'd be a horrible shepherd if we prayed and left without leaving you with encouragement so just as we did a preparation scripture bringing ourselves into this text I'm going to come out of this text with another preparation scripture I've looked at two scriptures and I combine them as a whole and then we'll pray 
For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, speak as one who speaks the oracle of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, Father, make us a fellowship that has our swords with us and soaked in the word, willing to have the discernment to distinguish arrows and not just protect ourselves, Father, but protect each other. Let our first thoughts in the midst of arrows coming in not be ourselves, but being my brother and my sister that are on my right or my left, behind me or in front of me. And Lord, when? Not if. Sadly, Lord, it's not an if. But when a brother or sister is struck, Holy Father, with our shields around us and on top of us, Father, let us run, run to that person. Coalesce around them. Protect them for the other arrows that he has sent toward them. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Lord, make us that type of church. Make us that type of believer. Let us find great joy in holding that shield, even when it gets heavy. Even when there's multitude of arrows coming at us. And we only can do that in the sufficiency and the supremacy of your son in everything and all things and always. Thank you, Father. Amen.